0: Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lands. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Now, in Genesis 22, 6, As Abraham journeys three days, he's got that going through his head. The son must die. God says, offer him, but he must live because the line has to come through him. He is the promised son. The seed must come through him. What a dilemma. It doesn't make sense to me, God. He must die, but he must live. And so he had to walk by faith. There are many things in this life that don't make sense to me. Abraham is the ultimate picture of a man who must be going through a civil war in his brain. And yet somehow he settled it. Somehow he believed that there was a prophetic picture that God was having him act out. And we find evidence of that by Hebrews 11. And so Isaac, well, he speaks up. I don't know how much silence there was. I don't know the pace of the walk, but Isaac decided to speak. And he said to Abraham, his father, and he said, my father he said, here I am. This is a beautiful exchange. Here I am, my son. And he said, behold, hey, dad, I see the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? This tells us that offerings were taking place prior to the temple, prior to the official law, if you will. And Isaac knows there needs to be a lamb here. You remember when Mary and Joseph go into the temple, and they're going to offer the sacrifice for her cleansing, according to Leviticus. So they go into the temple, and Simeon's been there, and he's been staying in the temple area, and he's been waiting for the consolation of Israel. And when he sees them come in with the the baby, he's so excited, and he wants to hold the child, and the Holy Spirit has made a promise. This is found in Luke 2, 25 through 35, that he will not die until he has seen the Lord's Christ. And they go in there. And what they offer is the, sac- the, fa- the sacrifice is supposed to be a lamb, according to Leviticus twelve six through 8. But there's a provision. If you cannot afford a lamb, you give two turtle doves or two young pigeons. And that's what Mary and Joseph offer. But what is interesting about that scene is that she already had her lamb. He's the lamb of God who what? Takes away the sin of the world. So this means the Magi had not arrived yet because if the Magi had arrived before that scene in the temple, they would have had the money to buy a lamb. But they don't have the money. And Simeon takes the child into his arms and he begins to praise God and there is the Lamb of God. Much like John the Baptist when he sees him, says, behold, look, there's what? The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Do you understand what this means? Jesus Christ is the ultimate offering for our sin. And God is dramatically playing this out in the book of Genesis. I mean, how many of us, sometimes we we look at our Bibles and go, I don't know if I want to read the Old Testament. Oh man, you're missing something if you don't read it. So Isaac spoke up, I think any of us would. I'd have a few questions. Okay, dad, (laughs) wood, fire, knife, lamb. Can you help me out here? This tells us that Abraham had kept things to himself and Abraham said, God, that's Elohim, verse eight, will provide, that's Yahweh, for himself, the lamb. Literally, you could translate this, God will provide himself, the lamb, for the burnt offering, my son. So once again, as we saw earlier, the two of them walked on together. Some assurance given to the son, God will provide some of you need to mark that tonight. God will provide. He will provide what is needed here. Abraham's great words of faith. This is from Abraham. This is not the words of heaven right now. This is Abraham. Abraham says God will provide. And what's Abraham been asked to do? You and I have been able to see that this is a test. We read Genesis 22.1. Abraham didn't have that information. We know it's a test. We know how the story's going to end. But Abraham doesn't. And he says, my son, you want to hear some great words of faith? The Lord will provide. I've said that sometimes in my life. And then I've taken a gulp sometimes. You see, I want to live by faith. I'm like that that, uh, dad oftentimes who says, Lord, I believe, but are you with me? Help my unbelief. God will provide. This tells us something, of what it means to see the father's perspective in this. In Abraham's case, God, as F.W. Grant has well said, spared that father's heart a pang which he would not spare his own. You see, this was Abraham's test, but this was God's reality. We know what happens. We know God stops this but he did not spare his son. And he who did not spare his son for us, how will he not along with him freely give us how many? All things, Romans chapter eight. I think that's verse 32. You see, we we live our lives so much of the time in doubt. So much of the time we let doubt weigh us down. And Abraham walked on and look, the the. The commission that he had was a tough one. I'm sure none of us could have anything that compares to this, although sometimes life does feel this way. And then they came to the place, verse nine, of which God had told him. And Abraham, he built an altar. An altar is a place of worship. And there he arranged the wood and he bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. I want you to note Isaac's voluntary submission to his aged father. I'm sure at this point Isaac could outrun him. I mean, this dude's a hundred plus. You're a late teenager. I hope you can beat your dad in a race. Arm wrestling might be different. <laughs> I'm sure Isaac could outrun him. I'm sure he could have wrestled him. I mean, your life's on the line. Are you going to submit? You might ask your dad, "Did you take the right medication this morning?" Any funny-looking vitamins? (laughs) Are you sure you've heard from God? I'd be asking a ton of questions, but I hear no question from Isaac. All I see is voluntary submission, which is a picture of who? Jesus. Now, in the Garden of Gethsemane, though, we do know that he said, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not... My will, but yours be done. Look, you're going to have some Gethsemane moments in your life. Everybody know that? God's going to stretch you and take you to places where you're going to have to voice prayers like that. And it's not always going to make sense. And maybe that was something that Isaac prayed. Dad, this does not make sense to me. But I'm going to submit. The father submitted. The son submitted. Wow. Beautiful. Even Christ did not please himself, Romans 15, 2, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproach thee fell upon me. You all know these verses. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus despised the shame of the cross. He did not want it. But he voluntarily submitted for the joy that was set before him. And I know that many Bible teachers have said, the joy that was set before Jesus was knowing that you would be in heaven. He looked forward in time and saw all the faces that would be there by his sacrifice. I agree. But I'll tell you something else, and this may be more biblical. I think the joy set before him was to do the will of his father. I think the joy set before him. He said, I always do those things, what? That please my father. I think he wanted to please his father. I think he also knew what would occur from the sacrifice. And the Bible goes on, Hebrews twelve three. consider Jesus who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you may not grow weary and lose heart. For you have not resisted to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin. And Jesus said, your will be done and Isaac said okay father and Abraham stretched out his hand can you imagine the emotions can you imagine waiting all your life for the son to be realized and you've got a knife over him he Abraham stretched out his hand and he took the knife to slay his son what would that take to be at that point of obedience incredible. I want to take you to one other New Testament passage. It's found in the book of James. Everybody turn, if you would, to the book of James. James chapter 2. James 2.18 says, James is shoe leather stuff. Rubber meets the road. You say you're a Christian, James is from the show me state. James 2.18, he says, someone who may say, Someone may well say you have faith, James 2:18, I have works. Show me your faith, keyword, show me your faith without the works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, James 2:19, you do well. The demons also believe and shudder. But are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac, his son on the altar? You see that faith was working with his works. And as a result of the works, faith was what? Perfected. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. And all God's people said, go Does this ruin justification by faith? Does James disagree with Paul? No. James is talking about how people can see your faith. He's talking about people who have a said faith, people who claim they're Christians, but they have no fruit in their lives. James says, If you want to tell me you're a Christian, then show me. Do you agree? Do you agree that there's going to be fruit in a Christian's life? But do you know that the verse that's quoted here, Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness, which is James 2.23, is actually from Genesis 15.6 that happened at least 30 years before the Genesis 22 offering of Isaac. Here's the point. Abraham was justified by faith long before he was called to do this. But his act of doing this showed that his faith was what? genuine. We have to remember we are saved by grace through faith. It's not of ourselves. It's not by works, so that no one, what? Can boast. However, your obedience to God's call in your life becomes one of the primary evidences for people to see that you're a Christian. And that's what James is talking about. He's talking about on a horizontal level. Heaven already knows whether or not you're a Christian. The question is, do people know? And if you read, go back and read James 2, James talks about how you know one of the ways that we live out our faith is by trying to help people and doing practical things. Back to Genesis 22 and we're done. We're only gonna go up to verse 18. So Abraham's got the knife. He's ready to plunge it into his son, verse 11. But the angel of the Lord, who's that? We believe that's Jesus in the Old Testament called from heaven, and he said... Abraham, Abraham, and he said, <laughs> good time to respond. Knife, you know, dad, pick up that call before you do anything further. Please, here I am. And he said, do not stretch out your hand against the lad. Do nothing to him, for now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. I want you to note something, Bible students. Abraham got to see right in front of his eyes how he would be saved. He got to see Christ's day, but here's something else. If the angel of the Lord is Jesus Christ, and I believe there's rock-solid evidence that the angel of the Lord is Jesus, guess what? Jesus knew that 2,000 years later that knife would come down on him. Wow, that's like almost a crazy mystery kind of thing, isn't it? But he knew. He would come into the world. He knew that he would give this sacrifice. And so he stops. I want you to notice that when the angel of the Lord speaks, he's identified in verse 11. And he says, now I know that you fear who? God. The angel of the Lord is God. Just compare verses 11 and 12. The angel of the Lord is the one calling. But he says, now I know you fear who? God. Because you've not withheld your only son from who? From me. The angel of the Lord is God. And God, again, the father, would not stay his hand on his son. And Abraham raised his eyes, and he looked, and behold, behind him, he didn't see this, but behind him a ram was caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the place of his son. And what kind of deep breath do you think, what kind of whoo do you think Isaac let out after this? What he said? What did he say, Dad? He said, <laughs> "He said I don't have to kill you." Oh, praise God! I don't know what kind of worship was going on on that mountaintop, but I would think it was a holy hallelujah kind of meeting. Thank you, Lord. Praise God! And Abraham turned around, and a provision was there. I heard one teacher say that. Abraham was going up this side of the mountain, and the provision was coming up this side of the mountain. And as Abraham was obeying God and walking by faith, he couldn't see the provision. But when he turned around, the provision was behind him. And sometimes, you know, we're looking in front of us and we're going, I don't know where the provision is. I don't know how we're going to get out of this one. But there was a ram caught in the thicket. And I'm sure that was the most joyous sacrifice that Abraham had ever given. He looked, and there was the offering. Abraham called the name of that place. The Lord will provide, verse 14, as it is said to this day, this is what they named the place. In the mount of the Lord, would you mark in your Bibles, this sounds like future tense, doesn't it? It what? It will be provided. This is a whole scene of prophecy. Jesus was coming on this same spot. 2,000 years later, to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And this is the beautiful picture here of Yahweh Yahweh, or as many of us know it, Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. Do you believe that? Sometimes we doubt, sometimes we struggle. Maybe we need a provision for our health. Maybe it's a spiritual provision, maybe it's a financial provision. Well, in the mount of the Lord it will be provided. Uh, We were going through this building, this building, and we had a building committee, and uh, we the the margins were extremely tight, and we had redirected things. If you've been with us for a while, you know that we we had bought land, and um, that didn't work out. It was going to cost like three million dollars just to do what the city wanted us to do, and we're like, ah, that's over budget. So the Lord provided this place for us. And you guys know, if you go back to the old building and look at our sanctuary, our chapel back there, you, you're like, oh my goodness, how do we all fit in here? In fact, I had people tell me they would go in there and they were a bit claustrophobic and they couldn't stay at our church because we were just, do you know how tight we were in there? We were breaking all kinds of fire codes, man. But it proved that you guys loved each other because you, man, you were packed in there. So anyway, we, we talked to a, a construction guy, and we had a budget. And this, this guy came recommended, and he was a believer. And we, we knew that he was going to do his best to try to help us out. And his bid was $700,000 over our budget. I just want you to think about that for a second, $700,000. We had kind of a maximum budget. And the first bid that we thought would be the guy was so far out of our budget. I didn't know what to do. I looked at the people in the meeting. I was trying to encourage faith, but I was trying to encourage myself because I was like, Lord, that's a lot of money. Did you hear that number, Lord? Did you hear that? So I was trying to be strong, and I encouraged faith, and I got in my car, and I think it was one of the next nights, and Chuck Swindoll was talking about faith, and he was preaching from Genesis 22. He said, "What, what are you willing to believe God for? Are you willing to take a risk? Even if you fail, are you willing to live by faith? And I'm like, I think this is for me. You ever had one of those moments in your car, right? You're going through something. Oh, Lord, I need to hear a word. Here it is. Turned it up. Are you willing to risk even if you fail? Yeah, yeah. Went Went back to the elder board, right? And then... I got a little taste of failure, and I didn't like the way it tasted. You see, it wasn't in my faith equation that we could really fail. I just wanted to take a step of faith and have God meet us there, and it all work out the way I had planned it. So that's kind of how I prayed. And then when the story unfolded, it didn't work the way I thought it was going to work. And I was like, oh, oh, did we make a mistake here? I envisioned myself coming before all of you and apologizing, which... Did not do my heart well. I want to be a good steward. I want to manage what God entrusts to us as elders. The other elders and pastors have the same heart, and it did not look good. And then all, all of left field, God made a way, and we came into our budget. We got another guy who was a Christian, and he did it, and he he finished this whole place, and we were within our budget, and it, and I just was parked right here in the mount of the Lord, it will be provided. Even when it looks so huge, God is faithful. How sweet it is when he provides. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time, from heaven and God did something shocking, surprising. This is recorded in Hebrews 6, 13 through 18. We won't go there tonight, but he said, here's what God said in response to what Abraham did. He said, By myself I have sworn. You see, God can't swear by anybody higher, so he's got to swear by himself. You know, I swear to tell the the whole nothing but the truth, the whole truth, so help me. Well, one yeah, God just says, So help me me. Right? <laughs> There's nobody higher to swear to. But God swore by an oath and he declared, notice, who's doing this? The angel of the Lord called, four, 15, a second time from heaven and said, but well, sure sounds like he's God, doesn't it? By myself I have sworn, declares who? The Lord. Because you have done this thing, you have not withheld your son, your only son. Indeed, I will greatly bless you. I will greatly multiply your seed as the stars of the heavens and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your seed shall possess the gate of their enemies. God was so pleased with Abraham's obedience. Man, he makes an oath, and he begins to just you know, uh, confirm these promises. Myers says, there's nothing indeed which God will not do for a man who dares to step out on what seems to be a mist, though, as he puts his foot out, beneath him is the rock. And verse 18, and in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. And do you know, brothers and sisters, that you're in this story because if Abraham, yes, Abraham acts out the gospel, this is your salvation. This is where your sins were paid. In Jesus, the promise comes to light. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All of the ground is sinking sand. And God put this in the Bible to show us. He loves us. He planned to sacrifice his son, if you will, from all eternity because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Would you bow with me? That whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. So we ought to lay down our lives for our brethren. Lord God, Thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for this beautiful prophetic picture. Let us trust you, whatever we're going through tonight, refresh, renew faith in this room. We just want to bless your name, Father, and thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Maybe you've been hearing these messages about becoming a new creation in Christ, but you're not sure that you know him. Well, the Bible encourages us that now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. And so don't put it off because the Bible tells us we don't even know what a day will bring. So trust in him now. The Bible says that we need to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead and we will be saved. You know, we see this reality in the scriptures of repentance and faith turning away from our sin which is repentance it literally means to do a 180 and turn away from sin and turn to god to do it his way instead of our way and faith is a word in greek which means to put our trust in to entrust ourselves to christ now when we do that we're trusting in his person his finished work on the cross and his resurrection and and trusting in him and him alone for our salvation and that's how you become a christian you turn from sin and you turn to God through Jesus Christ. Hey, listening family, it is summertime and that means Vacation Bible School VBS is coming to Living Truth Christian Fellowship here in the city of Corona. The dates are July 10th through the 14th and registration has begun for children kindergarten through sixth grade at livingtruthcorona.org. That's livingtruthcorona.org. The theme for this year's VBS or Vacation Bible School is is Maker Fun Factory, created by God and built for a purpose. And there your kids will experience the fact that God is their creator and he especially gifted them for a good purpose. That is July 10th through the 14th, Vacation Bible School here at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona. Sign up your kids today at livingtruthcorona.org. You can find out all the information you need there. Get your kids registered and we look forward to seeing you there. God bless you. Hey, folks, when you're doing radio, you know, it's a little hard to tell sometimes who's listening. And we would really like to know if the program has been a blessing to you and has impacted your life. And here's how you can get word to us. Go to livingtruthradio.org. LivingTruthRadio.org, and in the contact form, let us know that you're listening. Let us know who you are, what station you listen on, how the programs impacted your life, and even how we can pray for you. That'd be a great blessing to us. And if there's something that you want to put there that we can use to encourage other radio listeners to say, hey, Pastor Michael, this is how the programs impacted me, and you are welcome to use this to uh, encourage other radio listeners. So that'd be a blessing to us. Go to livingtruthradio.org in the contact form. Just let us know who you are. Thank you so much. We appreciate you listening. Pray for us. Tell a friend about what you're hearing on this broadcast. And we'll catch you next time on Living Truth Radio. God bless you. Hey, everybody. This is Pastor Michael Lance, and I want to invite you out for a special night of worship. It's going to be Sunday, June 25th at 7 o'clock at Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Shane Lance. And your love is great, yeah. the is still my father Brightly my it doors open up at 6 30 it's going to be five dollars at the door and it's going to benefit one of our missionaries who is heading off to africa so that's sunday night june the 25th a night of worship with shane Lantz. doors open at 6 30 p.m and you can get information and directions at livingtruthradio.org we hope to see you there